Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Well, let's open our Bibles this morning and, and learn more about the God that we know is so good and so kind and so gracious that we adore and worship. And um, if we truly, truly do this morning, if we truly adore Him and truly worship Him, then uh, surely we can open up the Word He has given us, the words He has he has recorded for us with excitement and with eagerness. And uh, we are in Galatians 5 this morning, and we'll finish out Galatians chapter number 5, and that'll leave chapter number 6. And uh, I pray the, with this text, with every text, that the Lord will, will bring it to life for you, make it more than just a uh, time where you hear me speaking, but where you hear the voice of God and where His Word becomes very real to your heart, very personal to you, and I pray as I was speaking at the associational meeting the other night that God would provide an increase because I can preach as, as, as hard as I want to. I can preach as the saying goes, so I'm blue in the face, but if God don't give an increase, if the Spirit of God is not at work, then I, it's in vain, and uh, we will leave here unchanged, and we will leave here not, not any different than when we walked in, uh, but I uh, open up the word of the Lord in front of you this morning with the confidence that God will use his word. And uh, I'm excited to study it alongside of you this morning. But we're in verse number 16. And uh, as you find your place, I'll ask you, if you will, to stand with me in honor and reference to the word of the Lord. We'll read verses 16 through verse number 26, which will conclude Galatians chapter number 5. The Bible says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for allowing us to sense that today, Lord. Thank you for making your presence real. God, I pray that you would use your word now during this time of, of study, during this time of preaching. God, give us a hunger for the truth. Lord, help us to bring the same kind of praise and adoration towards our attitude as we open up the scriptures. Lord, give us a hunger for the truth. Give us a hunger for what you are teaching us, Lord, because of the reverence that we have for you. And uh, Father, I pray that you'd help us to, to live out the truth that we're studying today. God, I pray that we would show forth more of the fruit of the Spirit. God, help us to walk more in the Spirit. God, help the works of the flesh to be minimal in our life. God, help us to live in victory over those things through your power. And God, for the special requests that have been mentioned this morning, for the Marshall family, God, I lift them up before you. God, I pray for strength. I pray for patience, which is 
referred to here in these verses of Scripture, God. I pray for peace and I pray for joy for them as they go through this time that they're experiencing. Lord, help them to trust in your plan to understand that even in their pain and even in their, their hardship, God, you are there and, Lord, you have a reason. I pray for Miss Heather's request. God, I pray for her family. God, I pray that you would work in that situation. God, you know the need and you know what needs to be done and I'm thankful that you are able. God, there is no situation that's hopeless with you. And God, for Miss Kim's request and Miss Joy, Lord, I pray for that situation. God, I appreciate a mother who's burdened for a daughter and who trusts in the power of prayer to make a difference. And Lord, we want to show forth faith today by calling out these needs. God, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for who you are and for how you worked in our lives. Lord, thank you for loving us. Lord, help us to love you as we should. And in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing this morning. The text in which we began reading today says this in the King James Version. He says, this I say then. And that ties this passage of scripture directly to what we were previously studying. And last week we looked at uh, the introduction was along this line of what Paul has told us what we do not do as Christians. He's told us that we do not follow the law as far as in terms of seeking righteousness through the law. He has told them you do not rest in anything but Jesus, but what do we do? If we are followers of Christ, if we are followers of Jesus, if we have put our faith in Him as Lord, Savior, and Master, what does that look like in our practical, everyday life? Well, last week, the, the urge from Paul was to stand fast in your liberty, was a big part of his words last week. To be careful about the, the hindrances that you may run into. That's something that we do as Christians. But here in these verses we see especially again what our life should look like as we follow Christ. The thing that's been so interesting to me is I've studied these passages of scripture and I, I use this same kind of thought and when I was preaching revival at Three Forks in Luke chapter number 7, and I said, if you will look hard into the text, you will either see yourself in the sinful woman who's bowed at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Him and praising Him in faith that He will forgive her, or you will see yourself in the self-righteous Pharisee who sees himself as so good he don't need the forgiveness of Jesus. In one of those two people, you will see yourself. Well, again, I urge you to do the same in these verses of Scripture because in all the adjectives that are given in these verses, I promise you within one of the two sets of adjectives, you will, you will see yourself. You will see a reflection of your life as you read the, th the things that are described as the works of the flesh. You, will, you are thinking in your mind, oh no, that's not good. Because you can relate, I can relate to a lot of those things, oftentimes much more than I can relate to the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And that's unfortunate, and that means that you and I are not carrying out our life as according to God's will. Paul's urging for you and I in these verses is simply this, walk in the Spirit. What that means is, as John MacArthur defines walking in the Spirit, he said, responding in obedience to the simple commands of Scripture. What that refers to is, is living under and, in, and being yielded to the Spirit of God. 
If you are saved, Paul has already been teaching us or taught us in Galatians that the Spirit of God dwells in you. God gives you His Spirit. That's what marks you as one of His own. And if you're saved, His Spirit lives within you. And it's our task to submit ourselves to the leadership of the Spirit of God. To live under His control. To obey his direction for our life. And what we find in the text this morning is reasons why we should walk in the Spirit. Why is that? Why is it important? Why should you listen to the words of Paul? What difference does it make if you will walk in the Spirit as God commands us to? Well, first, this morning you'll see because walking in the Spirit prevents you from fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. Verses 16 and 18, Paul again says, This I say then, here's, his, here's the theme of these verses. If you remember anything from today, remember these four words. Walk in the Spirit. And why? He says, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The reason we must walk in the Spirit is because it will keep us from fulfilling the lust of the flesh. You see, the problem with the flesh is the flesh does not want good stuff, for lack of a better way of saying it. The flesh does not have good desires. It does not have righteous desires. Your flesh wants everything that God says is not good and that is not righteous. That's what a lust is. A lust is a desire for something ungodly. A lust is something that you want that God says we're not supposed to have. And because of the fallen nature that we receive through Adam that has translated itself throughout humanity and through his offspring our flesh does not want godly things. Our flesh wants all these things that are mentioned in verses 19, 20, and even only into verse number 21. That's what your flesh wants. And all those things it wants is not things that God approves of and are not things that God is pleased with in our life. And obviously God's Spirit is not going to lead us towards such desires. God's Spirit will not operate contrary to God. God's Spirit will not give us desires that are contrary to the desires that God has. They are one and they work as one. So therefore, a battle ensues. And verse number 17 describes that battle. For the flesh lusteth, or desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And listen, he says, these two are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Once you are saved, once you have put your faith in Christ and you have truly been born again, truly been converted, then you're going to live in the midst of a struggle every single day. And that struggle is described in verse number 17. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you will understand exactly what he's talking about in verse number 17. You will understand that struggle. It's the great struggle of the Christian life. The reason that the Christian life can be so hard to faithfully carry out at times is because of what is described in verse 17. Your flesh wants everything that the Spirit of God is against and vice versa. You've probably seen people do things, and maybe you've used this phrase, I can't believe they would do something like that. What causes them to do something like that is what is explained in verse number 17. Because our flesh wants all these things that are ungodly and against God. Whereas the Spirit of God in us says, be loving, be kind, be meek, 
Be humble. As much as Paul excelled in the Christian life, he knew more about this struggle than anyone, I think. In fact, I think the more you grow in Christ, the more real this struggle is going to become because you're not surrendering to those ungodly fleshly desires that constantly arise. If you're going to live a Christian life that is worth emulating, that is an example to others, it's going to be a battle because your flesh is going to always want things it cannot have. Dr. David Jeremiah said, although believers still experience fleshly desires, they will battle those desires rather than repeatedly indulging in them. And that's what makes the Christian life such a struggle at times. If you look in Romans 7, Paul describes this battle in another way. He says, for I know that in me, and he's referring to that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Nothing good dwells in our flesh. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And he says this, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You see, Paul was, was a hero of our faith, but he knew this struggle better than anybody. And he was tired of this struggle. He hated the fact that his flesh always wanted to rear itself up and cause him to live contrary to the Spirit of God. If you don't understand this battle that I'm talking about, then it's very likely that you are living completely and fully in the flesh. You're just giving in to its lust. You're not trying to walk in the Spirit. You're not trying to live in submission to the Spirit of God. You're just allowing your lustful Ungodly desires to just flesh themselves out uncontrolled. Paul says, if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Again, we've been talking about, he's saying here, you are now as believers under the Spirit, under the control, under the, the leadership of the Spirit of God, not the law. But also we walk in the spirit because, well, to emphasize again, the flesh produces ungodliness. If you live according to the, your flesh and you don't, you don't seek to overcome those things through the power and the enabling of the spirit of God, then, well, he's going to go on to say that those things that you're doing, that the person who does those things, and we will explain more so what he means, but the person who does those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's very evident whether you're living as you should or not. And by that I mean it's very evident whether you are living by walking in the Spirit of God or not. The works of the flesh are very clear. When you live according to the flesh, your life will be marked by adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, and revelings, and that's not exhaustive, so Paul says, and, and things like this. And a lot of us can look at that and think, and your mind seriously might think, oh no, 
Because I'm sure, I'm confident that in one of those words you find something that you are guilty of exercising far too often, more often than you'd like to admit. And speaking of this struggle is a lot of us, and I was telling Eric one couple Sundays ago after, my son, after our Sunday school class, one of my greatest desires for the church is, this church specifically, is for us to have a, a spirit and an attitude of vulnerability. What I mean by that is, is verse number 17 is true for everybody in here, if you're a believer. A lot of times we come into church and we, we want to paint a picture of everything's perfect. I read my Bible exactly like I should have all last week. I prayed diligently every single day. I never had a, a wicked thought. I never, I never got stirred up. I never acted out in hatred or envy. I never envied any. I had no jealousy last week. Everything is perfect in our little worlds. But verse number 17 is a reminder to me. And it's a reminder to you that everything's not perfect in our little worlds. We have a battle going on inside of us. And the Christian life can be very, very difficult. Yes, the Spirit of God will enable us. And yes, we can live in victory. But it's not always easy. And what I mean by having a spirit of vulnerability is that we can come together as a church and realize the truth of verse number 17 and, and, ex, and work through our struggles together alongside of one another. It's not that we're not ashamed of our struggles, but we all have these works of the flesh that want to come out of us. But the more we can be open with each other and share our struggles with one another, the more we can find strength in overcoming those things. It's important if we're gonna, for us to recognize when we are acting in the flesh versus when we're acting in the spirit. So quickly, I, I, most and your whatever Bible translation you use might use more modern words to where these works of the flesh are very self-explanatory for you. But if we we need to know when we're acting in the flesh versus when we're acting in the spirit. So looking at each word individually, I think is necessary. And some adultery is quite clear and some manuscripts don't include the word adultery so your Bible, your translation may not have a word that is reflected by the word adultery but fornication speaks of all illicit sexual activity. Any kind of sexual activity that goes on and takes place outside of the marital relationship between a husband and a wife. In fact the word the root word gives us our English term pornography. Uncleanness speaks of just moral uncleanness. Lasciviousness speaks of living unbridled, out of control. Idolatry is worshiping false gods and that a lot of people when they hear idolatry think, well, I never bow down to a wooden image. So they think, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not guilty of that. But what idolatry ultimately is, is loving anything more than you love God. And all of us have probably been guilty of that at some point in time in our life. Witchcraft. Of course, in this day, that was a very prevalent thing. That speaks of sorcery. It was often a part of their idol worship. Hatred, which is hostility. Variance, which means you readiness to, to, to fight means you shouldn't want to fight somebody every time you turn around. That's a work of the flesh. Maybe a lot of you are thinking there, uh-oh. 
emulations. A lot of people, I mean, you might read that and think, what in the world does that mean? Well, that's probably the one that we're guilty of as much as any. That may be envyings, but emulation speaks of jealousy. Wrath is outbursts of anger, rage. Strife means contentions, acting for one's own gain regardless, regardless of the discord it causes. Placing self-interest ahead of what the Lord declares is right. Seditions means divisions. Heresy speaks of dissensions or, or divisions that occur based off opinionated things. And envyings, more so at its root, speaks of strong feelings that sour. And I think that's what envying will do to you. It'll sour you. It means to have displeasure at another's good. The ESV study Bible defines envy as something that comes about when people are not content with what God has given them, longing instead for what he has given others. Murders, which again is... Sometimes not in other manuscripts and drunkenness speaks of intoxication. And you'll find within Christian circles variances of opinion on alcohol. But drunkenness is listed here as a work of the flesh, being intoxicated. Reveling speaks of a riotous party or a drunken feast, and most, again, not, not to be disrespectful to say this lightly, just to tell you what I found in studying, that this likely refers to orgies that often happen in this ancient world. It says, all those are works of the flesh. And again, he's, Paul says that's not, that is not exhaustive. He says, to conclude in verse number 21, and such like, things like this. Anytime that you act out in rage, or wrath, or intense anger, and are quick to turn to anger. That's not the Spirit of God swelling up in you. Maybe if it's over righteous issues, but if it's because you're going down the interstate and somebody cuts in front of you, but there's genuinely an act of rage, that's not the Spirit of God coming up out of you. If somebody gets a pay raise and your initial thought is, man, that should have been mine, that's not the Spirit of God. That's that part of you that has not been glorified yet. That's that part of you that has not been transformed. And Paul says that they which do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if we're all thinking, well, I've been guilty of those things at some point in my life, so what is, how, how does that all come together? How can I say that I rest confidently in my hope in Christ if he says that Things that I am guilty of, those people who are guilty of those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, the word do in verse number 21 implies something that is done as a regular practice. It refers to a routine or a habit. There will be times in your life where you will fall to these very, these very things, these works of the flesh. But your life, if you are a believer, will not be characterized by these things. If your life is characterized by these things, it is evidence that you have never truly been born of God. Yes, we may stumble. And yes, we may be guilty of envies, drunkenness, witchcraft, even hatred. We may be guilty of those things. But a believer, there will be repentance. There will be remorse. There will be a separation from that sin. And a person will not be characterized by those sins. 
If you're characterized by them, then it's accurate to say you will not inherit the kingdom of God because you have not been born of God. But then finally, I guess on the positive, the reason we walk in the Spirit is because the Spirit will produce Christ's likeness in us. Here's how you know, you know, a lot of people base how spiritual a Christian is or how close they are to God by maybe how loud they might shout amen during a church service or maybe by how many laps they've taken around a church during a church service. And as much as I, if you ever want to do those things, I'm fine with that. But what I'm saying this morning is we don't base our spirituality off of how loud we shout amen during a church. That's during a church service. That's not what's listed here. Here's how you can know if you are growing in the Christian life. Here's how you can know if Christ is being formed in you. Here's how you can know if you're being transformed. Not by how loud you might shout amen during a service. But by the fruit of the Spirit that's listed. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Is your life marked by, marked by those things? If not, then we're not controlled and we're not walking and living by the Spirit. Dr. David Jeremiah, I think he gives great explanations for these words. Again, I think it's important that we understand them so we know when we're living in the flesh versus when we're living in the Spirit. Love, he, he it points out that it's the greatest of all virtues according to 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. And I like what he said, love is the power that moves us to respond to someone's needs with no expectation of rewards. John MacArthur explains it as the love of choice. And of course, love is always self-sacrificing. Joy is inward hope in spite of outward circumstances. differs from happiness which relies on favorable circumstances which means the fruit of the spirit will be you can be going through the darkest time of your life but still have joy peace is just a supernatural calm in the midst of chaos long suffering is a quiet willingness to accept irritating and painful situations I like what the ESV study Bible said about that word. It said it's following God's timetable rather than our own. Long-suffering is saying, yes, I might be hurting now and I might be struggling right now, but I know in the end God has a greater plan for me and God, as we looked in the Psalms a couple weeks ago, will in, in the end will show His goodness. That's patience. To remain, to be constant in your faith towards Him. Gentleness is... Bible Knowledge Commentary explains benevolence in action. It's generosity. It's consideration toward others. Goodness is moral excellence, uprightness. Faithfulness is enduring loyalty or trustworthiness. Meekness is the power to control your actions. Listen to difficult people and situations. It's not to be confused with weakness. It ultimately defines a person who is submissive to God's word. Temperance is self-control. It's the ability to restrain inappropriate passions and appetites. When, the, when you live in the Spirit, 
Again, not to discourage anyone. I told you it's a struggle and it's a battle. If you've been saved for any length of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When somebody does you wrong and your instinct is, I'll get them back. That, again, is not the Spirit of God that's swelled up in us. That's the flesh. But the Spirit of God, when we live in submission to Him, He can enable us to be self-controlled, that we can put to bed those ungodly desires. You might have struggles with sexual sin. Is an unmarried person, maybe a married person? Again, being honest, talking about that spirit of vulnerability. We can act like these things don't happen, but they do. Everybody in here today has a struggle of some sort of another. It's 100% surety. I do, you do, and it's unscriptural to act like we don't. But here's the good news. If we live in the power of the Spirit and walk in the Spirit, He can enable us to be temperate. He can give you victory over those sexual sins. Or He can give you victory over the jealousy that swells up in you so often or the envying that you have. Says and they that are, it says in the end of verse 23, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Verse 24 is the assurance that you should not live in defeat to your flesh. Again, he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Contrary to living in the Spirit, according to verse number 26, let us not be desirous of vainglory. Let us not provoke one another. Let us not envy one another. Those, again, are not characteristics of Christ-likeness. So the question to close the text is quite simple. The question you have to address this morning in your heart and in your life is which description do you see your life more in? The works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? We must yield ourselves to the Spirit, not indulge the flesh. The flesh will want all these things as described. And it leads to behavior that will not be allowed in God's kingdom. It will never enable us to be like Christ. But the Holy Spirit will do just, like, do just that. He will form Christ in us. So it's a simple matter this morning. Will you live in rebellion towards God and do whatever your flesh wants to do, knowing that its desires are against what God desires? Or will you live in submission to God and yield yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit? You all ask you to stand, and our musicians can come around. And Miss Heather, if you want to come and uh, prepare to lead our song of invitation, just ask you during this time, especially as they prepare, to evaluate your life and be real honest with yourself. Because again, if you'll evaluate truly, you'll find yourself in these adjectives somewhere or another. If you find that you are exemplifying the works of the flesh much more than you would like to admit. Maybe God has dealt with your heart to come to repent. Call upon Him to help you to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you are in the midst of verse number 17, and man, you, are been, you have been in the midst of a struggle. 
and you feel like your flesh is about to win out and you're about to give in to the works of the flesh, the desires, those ungodly desires that your flesh has, I'd encourage you to come and pray to God for strength and help you live in the Spirit. Show forth the Christ-likeness that only He can produce in us. And if you've never been saved, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know about this internal battle where you have the Spirit of God that wants one thing and you know what's right according to the Spirit of God, but your flesh also wants something completely different, and you've never been converted, you don't have the Spirit of God living in you, then I want to invite you today to call upon Christ in faith, trust that He'll forgive you of your sins. If you need to respond today to the Word of the Lord in this immediate hour, I invite you and encourage you to do so. Miss Heather, you come around, you lead us. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.